Alrighty, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. The draft is over, Wiz. We had a feeling that it would be a wild, woolly, and adventurous round one, and it was. I think there were seven trades in total. Uh, it was hard to be confident about your picks. I think that ended up playing out for most everyone's mock drafts. But nonetheless, Wiz, the draft is done and complete, and we're here to talk about it. Yeah, made for an interesting uh, round one, uh, a lot of trades, uh, a lot of stuff going on, and uh, interesting, um, you know, to, uh, you know, when it's over, to uh, take a look at it and summarize it and uh, kind of get ready for the upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's two ways to look at it, right? You you want to look at it from a fantasy perspective, of course, that's what we do on this podcast, uh, so offensive players are going to be of interest to us, where quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and improving offensive lines is something that we're going to look at. Uh, but defense is equally important uh, in the NFL. And, uh, and even, uh, you know, the, the word foot is in football. And uh, that also made some history in this particular draft. So lots happening. Um, I think, uh, you know, certainly uh, there was no mystery, I guess, going into the draft around the first pick being Bryce Young, but everything after that was uh, all bets off, and <laughs> that's pretty much exactly what, how it's played out. I think some teams have a, a blueprint for their future, not only for this year, but for next year, uh, that potentially could lead teams to, to really make themselves quite better in the future. Uh, but yeah, we're here, we're here to talk about it, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I thought the city of Kansas City uh, really embraced the event. I I love the fact that they take this show on the road uh, each and every season, uh, and uh, the exuberance was uh, very much on display Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Yeah, it really was. It was uh, great to see uh, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes come out there at the start of the draft. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and the NFL really. Uh, you know, does uh, does the right thing when it comes to the NFL draft. They really make an extravaganza out of it, and uh, I think people enjoy viewing that. Yeah, and ex-players uh, obviously coming out, uh, charitable causes, people, you know, Make-A-Wish Foundation, a kid that came out for the Jets, that was great to see that. The NFL veterans of service, uh, servicemen and women, uh, you know, uh, people that have fallen victim to crimes and they, uh, yeah, the NFL, I thought, did a did an excellent, excellent job um, with this particular draft. It, it was a lot of fun, um, and uh, yeah, um, and here we are was uh, uh, to talk about it. So, uh, what direction do you want to go in here? Do you want to kind of start out by talking about anything in particular? Now, so I'll say this was, you know. There was a lot of focus on Will Levis, you know, where he was going to go. Um, and he had to sit through uh, the pain of night number one without getting drafted, uh, eventually getting drafted at the start of uh, round two with the Tennessee Titans moving up uh, to draft him. Uh, you know, a little bit of a surprise, I guess, but, you know, became evident very quickly after those first few picks. And, you know, there was. It, it was hot and heavy trade action that was going on. The Houston Texans certainly making, and I think a number of teams, we, we can say this was a number of teams made it a point to address their needs in this draft. And, uh, you know, we're here to talk about that. But certainly, you know, the quarterback position uh, was of a lot of interest in the fact that C.J. Stroud did go number two and the Indianapolis Colts chose to go in the direction of Anthony Richardson at number four, you know, left kind of a gaping hole for, for a player like Will Levis. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think uh, people were kind of um, confused uh, all you know 
the all off season before the draft took place about where Will Levis was going to end up, and uh, I think we always have a, a a way of predicting that more quarterbacks are going to be taken in the first round uh, than they actually are. But speaking of quarterbacks, I think the Ravens really set the tone by that big signing of Lamar Jackson uh, coming to terms with them. And then they followed that up um, by using their first pick. They didn't have a second-round pick. So the the one pick that they they used um, in the first round before their third-round pick was getting Zay Flowers. And, boy, oh, boy, things look different for the Ravens with not only – the rock-solid Mark Andrews, but now you're looking at Bateman, Flowers, and Odell Beckham, new offensive coordinator kind of running the show there. I think it's going to get very, very interesting, and uh, I think it's going to be fascinating trying to figure out uh, who's going to benefit from it, who's going to take a hit from it, and, uh, and I'm interested in kind of seeing Odell Beckham, who signed kind of like a one-year prove deal, and he got a massive contract. I mean, the Ravens paid $18 million, kind of like gave him a premium. But his days in and this offense, he's not going to catch 80, 85 passes. He's going to be a complimentary player. And if they're winning, is Odell Beckham going to be okay with that? I think uh, it's going to be interesting trying to pass through the Ravens that those pass catches, does Mark Andrews take a step back in terms of getting closer to the other tight ends as opposed to maybe surpassing Travis Kelsey or getting closer to Kelsey um, with those pass catches? Because I think it's an interesting dynamic. And uh, let's not forget, with Lamar Jackson, he's going to get his runs, and they're going to want to hand the ball off to J.K. Dobbins as well. So interesting as we had headed to the season, passing through, the Ravens' skilled players as it relates to fantasy football this year. Yeah, that, that offense is going to look different, as you mentioned, with a change in coordinators stylistically and you know adding some big names in, in, in both free agency and the draft. So it, it, makes the, it, it makes the playoff picture in the AFC that much more complicated, which – you know, you're talking about a conference which is, you know, have very heavy, which arguably you could say eight of the ten top teams in the NFL uh, sit in the AFC at this point in time. Yeah, there's no uh, question about that. So I was interested in uh, the Lamar Jackson, that you know, tremendous signing uh, that he kind of like won that battle with the Ravens uh, getting that contract and uh, then adding on skill players and kind of not addressing their glaring need, which I thought was getting help and not taking uh, a cornerback until uh, round five and, uh, you know, just maybe not addressing that early on and we'll see how that pans out with the defense. What uh, what else on draft day were, was something that it was interesting to you? Well, I mean, Houston to move up and, ta- and, and, and take, so it impacts this year's draft and next year's draft, right? So here's Houston, uh, who, as we talked about going in, they needed to address the quarterback position. We still thought, and we, when and we knew with Demeco Ryan's as the head coach, they, they wanted to go after defense. Uh, so they made it a point to uh, get in there with a lot of draft equity coming into it, uh, and, and end up picking two and three, uh, where they end up with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. And at the same time, you know the the Arizona Cardinals are very actively trading back and forth, first back down, then back up. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you look mathematically at things, Wiz, for next year, uh, it, at this point in time, it looks very uh, – odds are that the Arizona Cardinals 
Now, granted, I think they will struggle this year, uh, but they will have two of the top five picks in next year's NFL draft. Yeah, that very well could be the case. And uh, I don't know. It, it could be at a crossroads with, for Kyler Murray. If, if, you know, the rubber meets the road with Arizona, you're going to have two elite quarterbacks, two quarterbacks that, you know, certainly um, – it would be a top five, top three picks in in in, in this year's draft, and really any draft uh, with uh, Keller Williams from USC and Drake May from North Carolina, who are going to be top five picks. So it'll be interesting to see um, what happens. You know, is Arizona going to move on from from Kyler Murray if they have another poor year? The one thing I'm 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 kind of surprised at is like you could see what Arizona wants to do. Why do you think that they haven't been able to pull the trigger and make a trade with Hopkins uh, to try and, you know, uh, get more draft equity? Yeah, it's puzzling that didn't happen. DeAndre Hopkins is 31. Uh, where that player goes as he as he is slowing down most likely in his career, that and, and obviously this season he's going to be without Kyler Murray for an, for. A, probably an extensive period for this season. So, yeah, it's weird. And I think recently, as recently as yesterday, he basically said that he's going to be in, in the building and, and ready to go and, and work towards making the Cardinals uh, a successful team this year uh, under new leadership uh, with Jonathan Gannon there. But I think the Cardinals did the best they could, uh, given the situation, and certainly the future uh, will, you know, where, where you mentioned, uh, you know, they, they could be potentially drafting a, a future quarterback, and Kyle Murray might not be part of their future plans. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm not mad at I'm not mad at Houston for what they did. Um, you know, the head coach knows what was successful in San Francisco, and to get a defensive game wrecker like Will Anderson uh, is important. And look, you just don't know where you're going to be picking or what's going to be going on. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it's one of those trades where I definitely see it and like it for both sides. Um, you know, when it comes, you, you always have to give it a little time to see how these how these trades really pan out. But like, you know, they're getting a rock solid, solid starter and C.J. Stroud, and then moving up to get Will Anderson. That's the player that the coach, you know, really wanted. So we'll see how it plays out. I know we've talked about some of the other moves uh, in the off season that Houston has made. Um, so. We're going to see, you know, we'll see how it works out with those two teams. But next year with Arizona having that great draft equity is uh, that that's the draft to have uh, picks early on because there, there are some outstanding offensive players uh, going to be coming out in that draft. And uh, I'm interested in what you thought overall looking at it after the draft, not after the first round or the first pick. What did you thought of the Lions, who, as we talked about, the Seahawks and Lions um, had a, a lot of draft equity, kind of like the same picks in the same spots right around, um, you know, five and six early on, and then uh, two more picks in the first round equity in the second round. And I, I, when I look at the Lions draft, I think the Seahawks taking Witherspoon made them go to plan B because I, I'll be honest. Like if you're going to take a running back, just stay there at six and take B. John Robinson. Like, uh, I know they moved back. Then they moved back up. Um, so to, to, to take, you know, to get Gibbs at 12 was interesting, but what did you make of, you know, 
Gibbs at six. I picked that Gibbs at twelve, Campbell at eighteen, and then kind of what they did uh, going forward in the draft. Heck, analyzed the the Lions uh, draft. So I, I would say I lie somewhere in the middle of where the ratings are out there. I, I've seen ratings that where people love what they did, and I have people uh, there are pundits out there that hate what they did, and I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Only because I do think they addressed uh, positions of concern. That's what I would say to you. Um, you know, we talked about the potential of them taking a quarterback, right? They took Hendon Hooker late. Um, if that plays out and pans out, it, it remains to be seen. But they're also talking about contract extensions potentially for Jared Goff. So that's kind of like a future story. I think I think Gibbs was a reach. I I. I by all estimations, but this is a player that the organization loved. Uh, Campbell was in need as well. That, that's that's the direction that they decided to go for defensively. We knew they traded Hawkinson last year, and they were going to probably take a tight end somewhere in this draft. Uh, and they went with Laporta. That was the guy that they wanted, and uh, that's who they chose. And and so I think they addressed the positions, and I think that, you know uh, Brian Branch slipped a little bit further than, than people thought. So, so I, I think in the first round, I'd argue that they – it looks like a reach. And then on, on day two, I think they did a little bit better job. So I kind of lie somewhere in the middle. Um, it's a team where they're going to probably come into the season, you know, uh, with the Vikings as the two best teams in that division. Uh, but that I think the division will be more competitive because I don't think Green Bay is going out quietly. And I think Chicago has done a number of things to improve their roster. So, you know, Detroit will be hard-pressed, uh, you know, to, to – you know, I, I expand upon what they did last year. The schedule will be a little bit more difficult, but I lie somewhere in the middle. I, I think they address the positions, uh, and it remains to be seen if Jameer Gibbs is is everything that the, that the Detroit Lions think he will be. And obviously, they turned around and they traded DeAndre Swift to Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. I just think, like, you know, are you a little bit more? Are you a little bit more in the negative camp on it? I think it's funny that the Seahawks, I, you know, I just, the Seahawks and, and Lions for the Jeff seem to be like intertwined with the picks they had, where they had the picks. And it's funny. I think they ended up both around the same. Okay. But in different ways, I think the Lions, it looked a little odd to me starting out and it got stronger for the Seahawks. It was the opposite. I absolutely loved their first two picks. Um, of getting the best cornerback, one of my one of my favorite players in the draft, and Witherspoon, and then getting Jackson Smith and Nigba with the twentieth pick, and then it kind of took like a little bit of a strange turn for me, where felt like the Lions questionable start off, and as you mentioned, got a little stronger, and then the Seahawks loved what they did early, and then I'm not sure. I I just think the Seahawks are convinced that they cannot have a bell cow running back. If you look at the history of what's gone on with this team, I guess since Marshawn Lynch, they just have to have like two guys, you know, no bell cow guy, two guys both getting equal amount of touches. And I think uh, the UCLA rookie is going to cut into the value of Kenny Walker, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's correct. I think that's definitely correct. So, you know, again, we're going to talk about each and every team as we preview going into the season. It's hard to cover everything here, Wiz. Like for the New York Metropolitan fans, uh, we're based here. Uh, I look at it the case, and every every time I turned around, it, it seemed like the Jets were getting burned um, in terms of players going before them. I, I think they had their 
mindset on taking an offensive lineman with that first pick, and that was our call. And uh, when all the guys that they really wanted went went before their draft choice, uh, unfortunately, they had to shift plans. Uh, I look at the Jets draft a little bit more questionable for certain, and and I, I do like what the Giants did because they were very very particular in addressing the specific needs that they needed to address with the secondary, with a wide receiver, with a running back, and with an offensive lineman. And uh, Joe Shane uh, did that with all of his picks, Wiz. Yeah, I think uh, the, J- the Jets draft was like eh, a little bit sent. In a, a, they went sideways with Pittsburgh and New England seemed to be more than happy to help each other. Uh, New England, you know, get more draft picks. And then Patriots had no problem with helping Pittsburgh take a player that the Jets wanted um, with that pick. Uh, And I thought the Jets, you know, draft was okay. Look, listen, I understand they're rotating a lot of players. They want to keep a lot of players fresh. And Will McDonald is going to, is going to, you know, he's not going to be a guy that barely plays. He's going to help, and he's going to help that defense. Anytime you could add an edge rusher to get after the quarterback, that's okay. But to me, when you compare the Jets and Giants, I thought the Giants had a much better draft um, than than the New York Jets. I, I really um, – I really like what the Giants did. Um, the Vikings picked ahead of the Giants, and they went with a wide receiver instead of taking um, instead of taking Banks from uh, from Maryland. And then I really like, you know, taking Schmitz with uh, with a second round pick. He he's a good center. He's one of these guys that. Um, is going to play from day one and really be, you know, a, a contributor. And then I, I, looking at the wide receivers, I feel the two guys from Tennessee, and I was talking to you during the draft about this, that, you know, the two guys, Cedric Tillman and, and Jalen Hyatt, really were on the same line with a lot of those guys that went in the first round at wide receivers. So I thought the Giants did well. Getting Banks was key. Getting a center is key. And then, you know, adding a, a real – different type of receiver in Jalen Hyatt who can get down the field, stretch the field is different than any receiver the Giants currently have. Yeah, a hundred percent. And by the way, Tillman and uh, Hyatt went back to back, right? They went, I think they were 44 and 45. If they I'm did, and I was talking to you about them during the draft. And I said, yeah, these two guys, because you said to me, who's going to take the Tennessee receiver. And I said to you, which one? Remember that? Yeah. And they're both, both you know, the, I had them both so close together and they do. It's funny that they went back to back, but uh, yeah, I thought the Giants, did well in this draft, but the team that I thought <clears throat> looking at the draft that did an exceptional job, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I got to tell you, that was a key thing that that tight end was the last, that, um, that offensive tackle and Broderick Jones was the last t- offensive tackle on that first tier moving up <clears throat> to the, with the trade with the Patriots to take him before the jets was key. Then still getting that tremendous trade with the Bears, allowing them to get Joey Porter, which was the 32 pick, which is essentially another first-round pick, was great. Keanu Benton is a guy they really need to bolster that middle of the defensive line. And then I just love that Donnell Washington pick. The Steelers have realized 
that they've got to stop trying to play finesse football and get back to that physical brand in football. They have a terrific, um, they have a terrific one-two punch with uh, w- with Harris and Jalen Warren, and adding Broderick Jones and Donnell Washington, um, who is just like adding a, a sixth offensive lineman, is key to them getting back to Pittsburgh steel of physical football. Yeah, hopefully. Uh... Canada wakes up uh, their their offensive coordinator, who we've criticized heavily, and I know Steeler fans as well. But he's done uh, kind of a lousy job with this offense. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett grew as the year went on last year. Deontay Johnson is still there, of course. They signed Allen Robinson, um, and Pickens is there. Uh, but the, I think we're going to see a lot of teams with uh, you know kind of continuing to use this twelve personnel. There's a and and you know the Raiders as well. You know they signed Austin Hooper, but they drafted Michael Mayer from from Notre Dame. We're, we're going to see this kind of play out on a lot of different NFL rosters. But yeah, I thought the Steelers had a, had a terrific, terrific draft, and the New England Patriots really stuck it to the Jets with that trade. And additionally, the Patriots got one, a player that a lot of people thought would go in the top 10, including myself, uh, ended up slipping to them at number 17. Yeah, you kind of felt that Gonzalez and Witherspoon were kind of going to go back to back. But there was a lot of space between the two players in the draft, obviously, with Witherspoon going five and then nobody taking Gonzalez and Patriots able to trade back and still get that player. So interesting to see. Um, how it shakes out, but uh, oh, by by the way, the Patriots who had a ton of draft picks, most of them later in the round, they tried to bulk themselves up everywhere they could. Right? They they I think they ended up drafting three receivers, uh, a bunch of guys on defense, including Keon White and um, and uh, Gonzalez, as you mentioned. And for the first time in history, they took a kicker and a punter in this draft. Look, when we went over draft needs, I literally wrote down everything. And I think I even said that. They, they need they needed everything. They went after everything from cornerback <clears throat> to edge to linemen to punters and place kickers and, and wide receivers. I, I got to say, um, Keyshawn Boutte from LSU it, it, with pick 187, he's one of these guys I had right near the top of the first tier with those other receivers. I thought that was uh, I thought that that was really a terrific pick um, by them, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see we'll see how it plays out. But uh, interesting to see <clears throat> the Patriots take a kicker with the fourth round pick. Yeah, and and by the way, Nick Folk has been unbelievably consistent as a kicker the last couple of years. So most likely he's going to be looking for a job next year. So if a team's looking for kicking help, uh, you know, Nick Folk could end up uh, being a guy that uh, some teams target. Yeah. Not only reliable, but I mean, I have to go over and look at the stats again, but man, these last couple of years, he seemed to be terrific from 50 plus as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one other thing happened for the first time, I think, in NFL draft history, if I'm not mistaken. Your Vikings were part of it. Four consecutive wide receivers taken in the first round. Oh, we, we knew this wasn't going to be a, a super deep wide receiver draft in terms of high, high-grade talent. Uh, there were only four, I think there was only four or five that went in the first round. A lot of guys were very close in talent over the next couple of rounds, but it was that bing, bang, bing, boom, uh, in those four picks, and uh, Zay Flowers was part of that with the Ravens, and Enigma with uh, with Seattle, and of course your Vikings taking uh, 
uh, Addison and before that, Quentin Johnson going to the Chargers. I got to say, was the, the, the one team that I scratched my head on throughout this draft uh, where there were glaring needs all over the place in terms of stopping the run and in their secondary and maybe some help uh, at the running back position. But I didn't understand what the Chargers were doing in this draft was. Yeah, and they got the worst of it with that wide receiver grouping, in my opinion. Um, I did not even have Quentin Johnson in, in the group with several of those receivers. I honestly had both Tennessee receivers that went way, way after ahead of Quentin Johnson. I I understand, you know, you like Mike Williams and you want to get a replica of him, but you need to you need to kind of like. Um, and he's not as good as Mike Williams. Let me let me just say that as well. But I, I just think, to your point, yeah, you you've done nothing to really help you stop the run and on the defensive side of the football. And I know you feel like you're in a conference with Patrick in a division with Patrick Mahomes, and you feel you may have to match him. But you have got to be able to stop the other team from scoring. And uh, I'm not sure. I, I think I think the Chargers. <clears throat> are going to be looking for a new head coach next year. I mean, I just, I just, I just have that feeling. I, I just think the momentum of that loss to Jacksonville just may carry over into the season. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm concerned about the Chargers this year. And I know, I know the 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 Falcons took a little bit of flack for drafting Bijan Robinson. Uh, you know, this is a different kind of player. But you know, also the Falcons are coming after drafting couple of very talented players on the offensive side the last couple of years in the top 10, right? They drafted Drake London last year, Kyle Pitts the year before. And by the way, you know, unbeknownst to many, this was the number three rushing attack in the NFL last year. And they add Bergeron from Syracuse on the offensive line. You Now you have Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson in the backfield. I, look, there's a lot of question marks around the quarterback, Desmond Ritter. They did, they do have Tyler Heineke on this roster. I actually am very curious to see what this Atlanta Falcon offense ends up looking like in a division that is very wide open. Wiz, and, and as much as we criticize the Falcons, the Falcons were, you know, they were a nose hair away from being a playoff team last year, believe it or not, in, in a division which is certainly up for grabs. Yeah, I think the uh, Falcons and Panthers are ascending and. I think Tampa Bay and the Saints are going to be going the wrong way. Um, yeah, and their offensive line, I mean, there's no way, two ways about it. Their offensive line was terrific last year. They were running it down people's throat. Um, getting Bijan Robinson is going to help. Kyle Pitts can stay healthy. I just don't feel Desmond Ritter is a playoff caliber quarterback. I think that's kind of the, two, the differences between the Panthers and Falcons. I think... The Panthers got themselves with with Bryce Young, a young, talented quarterback who processes defenses and knows what defenses are trying to do, and they have an unbelievable set of coaches and people in that quarterback room that are really going to help Bryce Young. So, to me, that's the tiebreaker, but... There's a lot of things to like about Atlanta, to your point. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, switching to Carolina, Carolina's also brought in some seniority from around the league between Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst, and Adam Thielen, which, you know, they're they're, they're very team-oriented players. I think they'll be very uh, very much a part of cultivating uh, a little bit more of a winning culture. I know I have all the reason to believe that Frank Reich will do that as well, and as you point out, this is is a very high-caliber coaching staff, probably as... 
Yeah, the moves they made in, in the coaching staff is it, we've never seen something like that happen in an NFL offseason. Uh, you know, bringing Elvira over from from Denver, uh, their defense coordinator, Deuce Staley's here, uh, Josh McCown is here, Sean Jefferson is here. I mean, they, everywhere we turn, they were bringing somebody. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, the, uh, Jim uh, Jim Caldwell, uh, previous very successful head coach um, in, in both Indianapolis and, and Detroit. Uh, there's a lot of high caliber people in that locker room in, in in Carolina. Yeah, I mean that quarterback room. You know, you talk about Caldwell. You talk about, obviously about Frank Reich and and McCown. And don't forget, there's Andy Dalton. And look, Andy Dalton's not going to lead you to the playoffs or a championship. But Andy Dalton is a professional NFL quarterback who he understands what his job is, and he's going to help Bryce Young a lot as well. So. I mean, I'll say this for the millionth time. I am all in on the Carolina Panthers this year, um, winning that division, making the playoffs, and uh, I, I think good enough to uh, to win playoff games as well. So uh, I'm all in on Carolina. So we're going to have to see how that plays out. Yeah, excellent. Uh, that's all I have, Wiz. Uh, anything further to add on, a, on an otherwise very exciting NFL draft, which means, you know, we start looking even closer at each and every NFL roster, trying to determine if we can make heads or tails of what's going to happen. Uh, rookie camps will open up pretty soon, and then uh, yeah, then then we're we're starting to have an eye on on July when 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 uh, everybody gets into camp. Yeah, that's uh, you know the start of the season is upon us. In my opinion, this is uh, kicks off the uh, season, the completion of the draft, and then you know you get into OTAs and. Uh, you really start looking at this and uh, and trying to break it down and uh, you know just taking an early early look at this you know there's some real brain busters to try and pass through at the running back position for a lot of these teams veteran guys young guys what the split's going to be and uh, it's going to make for uh, a very interesting upcoming fantasy football season. Uh, absolutely. Uh, never a dull moment, that's for sure. And uh, the game continues to change, right, in, in, every, in every which way. All right, Wiz, so uh, that's going to be a wrap for us. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Make sure you're subscribing. We'll be here to talk more as the off-season continues. Uh, Wiz, have yourself a good night. Nice job, and uh, we'll talk later. You got it.